Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan-crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. A lot can happen in the next three years. Like a chatbot may be your new best friend. But what won't change? Needing health insurance. United Healthcare Tri-Term Medical Plans are available for these changing times. Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, they offer budget-friendly, flexible coverage for people who are in between jobs or missed open enrollment. The plans last nearly three years in some states, with access to a nationwide network of doctors and hospitals. So for whatever tomorrow brings, United Healthcare Tri-Term Medical Plans may be for you. Learn more at UH1.com. Everyone knows therapy is great for solving problems, but getting therapy has its own problems too, like finding the right therapist, fitting into their schedule, and of course, the cost. Well, BetterHelp can solve those problems. It's totally online and built around your schedule. It's surprisingly affordable, too. Connect with a credentialed therapist by phone, video, or online chat, all from the comfort of your home. Visit BetterHelp.com to learn more and save 10% on your first month. That's BetterHelp, H-E-L-P. Hello and welcome to the PH Nutrition Podcast. Uh, today we're back with an episode about fueling a CrossFit Games athlete. Um, now the CrossFit Games is, is nearly upon us. Um, and for those that you have been following the CrossFit Games for you know a number of years or it is the first time you kind of maybe watched a Netflix documentary and been like, oh my God, how do these people do this? Um, well, we're going to give you a little bit of a, a kind of behind the scenes access to some of the stuff that we do with our athletes um, from a nutrition perspective. Uh, so we have our resident podcast, I mean, almost like a resident podcast host, we've done quite a lot recently, Mr. Luke Hall, who looks after some of our athletes as well. Big Lukey, how are you? I'm good, thank you, Liam. Yeah, I'm looking forward to diving into this. This is the stuff that properly excites me about nutrition. So I'm looking forward to getting into this with you. Yeah, and maybe this is what kind of draws some people to nutrition in the first place, working with kind of elite athletes, you know, working people at the top of their game. It's definitely something that when I, you know, I was very, very lucky when I came out of uni, I worked in elite sport, worked in, in, in football. So I kind of didn't have that first bit where I worked with the general population. I kind of did it the other way around. And then I came out of it and worked with the general population. If you're working solely with athletes is quite actually quite challenging to earn enough money out of it, unless you're in an, or not in an organization or, um, you know, you have a, uh, you know, kind of set up with a club or, or whatever. So we do have a few athletes that have been to the CrossFit Games. So just to give you some context, we work with Elliot Simmons, Jamie Green, Andre Hudeau, Tori Helga daughter. Few others that have kind of like they're, they're the kind of main ones that we've worked with personally. Actually, my first ever athlete was someone that Luke currently works with, and that's David Shrunky. No, nope. yeah, he was my first ever one. I used to get on Zoom call when he was there, and he I met him at Wit. I think I met him at Wit, and someone else we would we were chatting, and then yeah, just ended up kind of you know jumping on a call and worked with him for for a number of months. So he was the first one I kind of you know sharpened the the, the axe on and what we kind of do, but. Yeah, there's a kind of like a, a whistle stop over tour of who we, who we work with. Um, and we have been to the games. We've had Jamie Podium at the games. We've had Andre do really, really well. You know, Elliot, we weren't working with him with when he was at our team and they come second, but you know, he's been, uh, it's, it's been an incredible experience. I got to go over there 
a few years back before kids um, and was there. Unfortunately, I got the the year when they did the bloody marathon rows. I had to watch two marathon rows, which is not very enjoyable. I will tell you that. Nutrition perspective, um, though, that's that's one where well, that is something... CrossFit workout wise, most of the time you're not worried too much about intra workout nutrition, but marathon row that's a big one. It was challenging. We'll, we'll tell a story about that later on when we, once we get into into actually what we do at, at CrossFit Games. But who do you who are you working with? Who have you worked with, Luke? Just give the listeners a little bit of an insight. Yeah, so the the kind of two big clients that I've worked with in the past and kind of still help it a little bit with, but they're very very good at what they do now. Uh, like Liam mentioned, David Shrunke and Emma Tal, uh, who come as a pair. Um, in the past, I've also done a bit of work with Zach George, a bit of work with Norman as well. Yeah, they're probably the, Steve, the big, big and Steve. Big Steve, of course, the JST guys. I've done a fair amount big with Steve. those. So yeah, even little bits for Reggie, uh, Mikey Steele, those kind of guys as well. So um, little bits and bobs yeah. for that. Uh, and with a lot of these guys, as me and Liam will probably dive into, and kind of like I've alluded to there with David and Emma, is once they know this stuff, because their mindset is so dialed in, they are good to go. So like I worked with David and Emma, kind of more hands-on for probably the best part of a year, and then sort of just have stepped back a little bit and I'm just sort of there when they need me, whenever I, uh, they've got any questions or there's anything specific that sort of needs tackling, then we can jump on top because they're so dialed in with their training most of the time. So like uh, I worked with David a little bit more as he was recovering from injury, that sort of stuff. But mm. for the most part, mm. it's like they know what to do. They know how to execute. If they've got any questions, I know that they'll ask them and I know that they won't be too proud to ask as well. Especially those guys, they will always uh, want to know how to up their game a little bit. Yeah, and I think I do think you've hit on a couple of key points there. Before we get into the specifics, is about with athletes. I think there's more so in CrossFit. There's probably leaning towards the athletes that are more consistent. So you tell them to to do something and they do it, and they get on with it. And across any sports that I've worked at elite level, like those are the guys that really rise to the top. And you get these people that are drainers basically so you tell them to do it and then they constantly want you to i don't know figure out a new way to do it because they haven't been bothered they're very passive in terms of like you know implementing the the strategies that that they that you've asked them to do you know and they're the guys that kind of like never really either reach their full potential or kind of just kind of be there for a little bit and then drift away like i see that a lot in football and so we we find that the people that are really consistent and just be like yeah i can do that and then are still doing it, yeah. you know, 18 months later, even though you haven't had the conversation around that thing, you know, they're the guys that, that really kind of succeed, you know, and, and, and that kind of leads me on to a point where we often get asked, like, what do we do? Like, what do you do with these, these athletes? And that's what we'll get into now. But there isn't any new foods. There isn't any secret foods. We don't keep some special supplement or special food or strategy behind, you know, lock and key for these athletes. Like, it's definitely an, an area that we do is in terms of trying to filter down these strategies that we find into a more practical application for the general population. So it's just, for me, it's just on a sliding scale. It's scaled up a little bit for the athletes in terms of like maybe the amount, the volume, the intensity, the consistency that's needed to succeed. And then for the general population, it's just scaled down a little bit. There isn't anything new. So, you know, for a little bit of insight, like a key thing that we, that we focus on in the early stages for any kind of athlete that comes on is figuring out structure around their training day. Like that's the biggest one that I'm like on them about. I'm like, tell me when you train, you know, like exactly. 
So like, when do you train on a Monday? When do you train on a Tuesday? If you do a triple session, when do you do it? You know, and one of the clients that we've been on before, they're like, oh, well, you know, I, I kind of do like maybe 9.30 this. I'm like, no, like tell me exact times because they train so long that you need for us to get that fueling, you know, nutrient timing matters for athletes. Like it really matters. Like I know a lot of people will be like, oh, if it fits your macros, you can just kind of do that. Yeah, that's fine for a body composition. But when you're looking for an athletic performance, nutrient timing matters. And when we get the meal structure down, I just find that that removes a lot of nutrition decision stress that from the athlete. Um, but we also got to make sure that that low energy availability is mitigated as much as possible because they are training at a very high level with a very high volume intensity. And often we don't, we often we see with athletes that come to us and maybe struggling that they backload their calories quite a lot. They don't want to feel heavy. They don't want to feel sluggish or they just don't feel like getting the food in in between sessions so that is a real common fault that we find and it takes a bit of work it takes a bit of time but that structuring that kind of intake from a caloric point of view across the day making sure that they're fueling and refueling from those two sessions um, is really essential i don't know what your thoughts are on that that's the best definitely the big kind of rock that i start with mate yeah, I agree. And and with these athletes as well, a lot of their training days might look the same, but they might have kind of different training days depending on what the focus is going to be that day as well. I know when I was working with uh, David and Emma, they had, they had a pretty big focus on zone two sort of stuff. And so a couple of days they were getting up and doing some zone two stuff in the morning and then their CrossFit weightlifting in the afternoon. And the structure for those days would be different than a normal just CrossFit training day sort of thing. Um, but we would have set meal structures for each of those days. So that they knew, okay, cool, it's Monday, I've got zone two at this time, I need to have this before, this amount of time afterwards, I've got this window to get enough in between that and the session in the afternoon, so I know kind of what to go for straight after, I know what sort of meals I want to be looking at um, to get in that kind of slightly smaller window in between. Um, and that's pretty similar to how you'd structure competition days as well, really. So you know timings-wise where the competition is going to be, you can sort of work back from. And one thing that I think is really useful as well is if they've got a set structure that they're just so used to, that their body's so used to, it's a lot easier to kind of adapt that for competition. Um, if we kind of know when they would normally eat around training, we're like, sweet, but we don't need to change a huge amount around competition. It would just probably be the type and the amount of fuel that you're changing for that as well. Yeah. Yeah. And it's the, you say the key thing that we're trying to achieve here is is consistency you know it's, it's a consistent pattern because if we consistent with the timings you know we're around the training sessions which leads in timings around competition what i find is that you can figure out triggers you can figure out what works you can go to them how did you feel in that session and you're like yeah i felt amazing the whole way through i felt balanced i felt fueled i felt great you know or you could be like man i really hit the wall there like halfway through a lifting session or it just didn't quite feel right and because we find that the successful athletes are relatively consistent, it means that we can then dive into that. Whereas if they ate one thing one day and then the next day it was completely different at a completely different time. And then the next day it was again, random again, like it was in, again, different time, different amounts, different composition of macronutrients. You start to then go, how did you feel in the first session? And they, well, well some days I felt, uh, that day I felt, I can't really remember, that day I felt horrendous. You can't pinpoint things. And for me, this is something that, again, we try to filter down to our clients in our coaching is that 
little bit of consistency can go a long way. You know, figuring these things out. It's not about eating the same thing for six months in a row, but it's having regular meals that you can kind of be like, right, that works. That works on that day. That worked on a lifting day. That worked on a Metcon day. That worked on a zone two in the morning plus a, you know, a heavier, more CrossFit based session. Once you do that, what I'm talking about is removing that decision stress of nutrition is that you don't have to think. Nutrition is something that you don't need to then go, oh, I wonder what I'm going to have for my breakfast today. You know, it's like, you know, all of the CEOs or whoever, Steve Jobs wears the same outfit because they don't have to make their decision in the morning. Like that's what we want to achieve with nutrition, especially at the start of the day. You know, you got to have a couple of breakfasts, a couple of things that are relatively consistent with small manipulations because that's when you can figure out like that makes me feel good. Then you can focus on, you know, the training rather than worrying about what your nutrition does. And like Luke said, that bleeds into competition and the, the, you know, the, the job of what we do is the, our job is to try and not make nutrition an element that is a limiting factor, like as much as possible within this. So I don't want it to be like, oh, I felt heavy, felt this, felt underfueled, because then coaches, athletes start to, to kind of come to you. If we can just remove that and just be like, yeah, felt good. And we've kind of done the job. So meal structure, like Luke said, then consistency, timing, starting to replicate things for, for competition is, is a big focus at the start. The low energy availability is something that, again, there's not too many. Dis- Obviously, it's scaled up because the the guys that are training at a high level have trained so long, and it probably it got. I think it got to a point a couple of years ago where it was ridiculous, like people doing triple sessions. And I remember one guy, Andre, who was doing triple sessions, and I was like, "Dude, I just don't know how to get enough food into your day. Like, I I I literally can't. Like, we." You're drinking like 120 grams of car powders. Like it's, it's, it, and he was a good eater. Like he, yeah. he did well, but he was doing sessions at 5 p.m. at night. It was just like after doing like nine o'clock to one o'clock. And it was, it was really challenging for me to get that in. And, you know, he, he then worked with a, he, he worked with a strength coach and he stripped back some of his stuff and he got really bloody strong. Like, cause he was dropping the amount of sessions he was doing. But it allowed us to get more energy into him. I think practically what happens in, you know, the general population is that we get caught in meetings. We don't fuel in the day. We miss, we push breakfast back. And then all of a sudden we, we try and train at 5 p.m. on hardly anything. And then it's a massive meal in the evening. It's a similar thing, but it's just the athletes just expending so much energy. Like, Luke, what have you done to try and potentially kind of mitigate that and, and get enough energy and fuel into them throughout the day to help fuel sessions and, and maximize that stimulus from from training. Yep. So the the first thing that we kind of did when I started working with David and Emma was we actually quantified the amount of energy that they need as a really good starting point. Obviously, you can use predictive equations and all that kind of stuff. Um, but I went over there and did a load of testing with them. So the resting metabolic rate testing, and some kind of active uh, metabolic rate testing as well. So we got them wearing the mask, doing some workouts, that kind of stuff, just that we had numbers to work on. And we knew what the energy demands were for different types of workouts, as well as just sort of in day. Um, and then like you've kind of already alluded to with regards to Andre and getting him to chug down 120 grams of carb drink for those three sessions, uh, we did a fair amount of sort of liquid nutrition as well. And both intra-workout and for kind of post, especially on those double session days, just because it's a really nice, easy way to do it. And But it was the structure as well, like the structure that underpinned the whole thing that made sure that they weren't 
underfueling at any sort of one point across the day. And I mean, I was like you said about Andre being a good eater. I was blessed that David is such a good eater as well, because that is a large man that uses a lot of energy. And it's one of those where like he was just able with his meals to deal with a decent amount of volume. Um, but as I say, they, they are also really good at knowing how much is too much training and where that kind of diminishing returns yeah. is going to come from with regards to training. And I think a lot of athletes are not necessarily as tuned in or as good at that. And that's kind of where our relationship with coaches needs to come into play uh, as well. And and we would have these conversations with uh, coaches and the, the benefit of obviously David and Emma and me working with JST as well is that that relationship was quite was there already. I had a good relationship with Steve and the guys at JST, good relationship with obviously David and Emma, and so could have these conversations um, yeah. where I knew they were standing where I was coming from and, yeah, respecting the thought processes. Yeah, we could actually get some, some real progress uh, and have proper conversations as opposed to just the training stays the same and they are doing this much volume and that is not changing, uh, which is yeah. something that has happened before as well. Yeah, it's very challenging. That, that is one of the things that maybe people, you know, it's not really popularized because you can't really go onto Instagram. Maybe you can, <laughs> but not really our style to go in and call people out to be like, look, this coach didn't allow us to kind of do the nutrition to what we wanted to do. So you, I feel that sometimes we can end up being the people that have to bend around certain things. So having that relationship is, is a really nice thing. Like, you know, if you can get that, that's incredible. So, you know, we, we've been like pretty lucky as well with, with the athletes I've worked with. But I think, one of the things that like you said there, being a good eater, but sometimes like, you know, the amount of training that they do, it does suppress their appetite. They don't want to eat like, you know, a meal after the second session. They don't want to eat this. You know, that's something that, that Jamie, you know, she's, she will, she, she kind of liked to kind of push breakfast back a little bit. So getting her to kind of front load of calories was always a bit challenging. Whereas Elle was just really wicked eater, you know, be no problem at all like jay's super on it like she's so on it but it was just struggling to kind of get it in that time but she's you know so much better now and kind of going back now to be like we worked on it so much that sometimes a lot of the job that we do now is just basically troubleshooting so like where can i get like meal prep companies like if we go to a different place like where can i get you know how much do i need to cook of this meal and and then like i say it's more of a a consultancy as opposed to a coaching kind of setup but obviously a lot of the time they become friends so you end up chatting them about other stuff as well so it's more of a catch-up with a little bit of nutrition but but yeah i think at the moment that the hard work's kind of been done with these longer term clients but did you do anything periodization wise with them in terms of nutrition supplementation yeah we did quite a large block i guess of periodization when they were focusing on bringing up some of their zone two stuff so that was kind of off season um, and we actually did quite a big chunk of fasted training in the morning sessions which made obviously getting their intake in later in the day a little bit tougher because the the reason that we were do fa doing fasted training wasn't for any kind of body composition goals or anything like that it was more kind of hey we want to try and work to improve metabolic flexibility so we're going to try this train low compete high only for the zone two stuff that they were doing in the morning though and that, as I said, essentially, normally if they're doing a double session, they would have um, something beforehand. It would normally be this huge smoothie with tons of carbs in, a little bit of protein in, that kind of stuff as well. Uh, and it would be sort of 500, 600 calories. And they'd have that sort of 90 minutes, two hours before, would be able to digest it. But when we were doing the zone two stuff and the training for that, it meant that that sort of meal was 
needed to be fit in elsewhere during the day because yeah. they still needed to take in that amount. But obviously to get the benefits of first training, they weren't having it at that point. So it meant stuff was kind of a little bit more backloaded towards the end of the day, um, which was not the worst thing in the world. Um, and we did see some real kind of improvements uh, with regards to kind of their metabolic flexibility there as well. We went back and did some some second rounds of testing, that sort of stuff right. to to see it. And it was good. It was nice. And it was one of those where, you just kind of had to deal with it. And the good news was it was off season. So it meant they could deal with chugging, chugging down an extra shake sort of before bed just to get the calories in. And whereas during season when they're doing kind of more intense stuff and they don't necessarily want to be forcing food down and feeling uncomfortable as much, it's good to kind of have that earlier in the day as you normally would. And where obviously there's that, that enough time to get it in without feeling uncomfortable with things. Yeah, it, it's it's a real balance. Like it's something that, you know, if you listen to our rest day podcast, me and Luke talked about actually increasing or making sure that they don't decrease too much uh, that, you know, athletes intake on a rest day or what they would class. I know we hammered people on an active rest day, but, you know, they might have like an active rest day where they actually would do some zone two stuff or they would do a little bit of, you know, aerobic stuff. And then maybe Sunday or Monday would be a, would be a rest day. But it was on these days that we then found that a strategy that worked well was to keep their intake relatively high, you know, and almost just removing any intra workout stuff and kind of trying to get them to eat a little bit more, more energy dense stuff. And that was a really sensible strategy for us um, that, that worked really well. So like you say, you, you've got to be looking at, we're talking about low energy availability in the day because athletes train so much. Um, but now you've got to be looking across the week, bird's eye view across the month, you know, and when Luke said about periodization, like that is definitely something from a fasted point of view know to get that that a specific adaptation is a really sensible thing going into periodization for competition replication so you know trying to do replication because that's where athletes were really good because they used to do almost like a prep weekend where they would replicate it so then we ended up i think we spoke about that as well like where you would replicate the nutrition as well so you'd be like right what breakfast are we going to do what you know snacks what gels are you going to use what this so you end up practicing all of this so again, on the day, there's nothing new. They know the body knows what's happening. They know the timings, you know, and obviously then there's going to be things that, that kind of start to alter. But just on that last thing on the periodization before we go into the game stuff is, we, you know, I, I kind of mapped out like a periodization in terms of supplementation. There's certain supplements that you kind of want to keep relatively consistent depending on what they are, like omega-3s, vitamin D, you can periodize a little bit, but normally kind of just, take it down to a bit of a smaller maintenance dose. I mean, if you're in Abu Dhabi, like, and they're actually like, love the sun, then that's not an issue. But even with some of the, with the guys that are in hotter countries, because they train inside, because they live inside, because they don't, you know, because it's so hot, they don't go outside. It's actually, they, they, they will be deficient in vitamin D as well. So don't just automatically think because it's sunny that you're going to have adequate vitamin D levels. Obviously in Sweden, like that would definitely be something that we would want to be supplementing with. But we would supplement, we would kind of periodize supplementation. Now, the, the specifics are probably something beyond this podcast to go into. But we would have like areas where we'd focus on kind of gut. We'd focus on immune function going into into competition to making sure they're not getting sick coming out of the competition. They would be doing the same, a little bit like say aerobic, definitely more strength kind of focus because ultimately you can't just take everything supplementation wise all year round. So it was a real requirement to try and get blood work done. You know, and the guys have done really good. They've got lo- lots of blood work done over the years and, you know, looking at any deficiencies and any imbalance. The great thing is, is now we have a kind of trend data. So like you can look at what's been happening over a kind of, you know, 
consistent period. So we can be like, right, well, that's trending down, that's trending up, you know, and kind of look at this. But that's how we would inform our supplementation protocol because we just base, you know, on some periodization stuff. And there's a few kind of baseline things. So there's greens powders, creatine, and we would cycle beta alanine, and, you know, nitrates. But then, like I said, there's a few things from an immune point of view, gut point of view, competition specific point of view that we would then kind of periodize. So on a broad spectrum, that's how we would kind of do it. And that kind of leads into, into competition prep. And like you said about, they would do weekends. So we would replicate that, figuring out what kind of works. Now, is there anything specific, mate, that you would do leading into, you know, like the, like, like a big competition, like a, you know, like a two, three day competition that, that you can give us a bit of insight or is it relatively consistent can what we kind of spoke about from a we did the competition nutrition podcast anything else that you want to kind of give us an insight on mate yeah i mean so so from a supplement point of view like you sort of mentioned with the, the year-round ones uh, ones that you would probably start increasing coming up to a comp or looking to take beta alanine is one of the huge ones um, where you probably get a little bit more i mean that there, that's one that you can take year round, but I think yeah. that it's not necessarily worth taking year round. And the little kind of boost you get from it being a lactic acid buffer uh, leading into competition, I think even psychologically gives you a little bit of extra and it amplifies it almost as well, and which is useful. And so sort of two to four weeks out, probably four weeks for these guys start taking beta alanine, loading on that. And one of those where like increasing consumption of nitrates can be a really useful one as well. I think, uh, and that's something that these guys are probably taking in enough uh, nitrates across the year, but just having a conscious effort to get a little bit more in is super, super useful for sure. And in terms of kind of multi-day comps, I do think a little bit of carb loading is fine. And I think, whereas in the competition nutrition podcast that we talked about before, we almost treated it a little bit more relaxed via normal competition. I think with these guys, there is the opportunity, the chance to do a more dialed in carb load to look at certain numbers of carbs. We're not necessarily still going to be touching the figures that like endurance athletes would touch where they're having like 10 grams of carbs per kilo body weight, and but still going up probably closer to sort of that seven or eight grams of carb per kilo body weight and for sort of two days beforehand and keeping that intake that high throughout the competition as well would probably be the, the biggest change I'd say to your normal like day-to-day CrossFit competition athlete. I'd say dial in the carb load that little bit more for sure um stuff that we've done in the past as well as well as we mentioned obviously get energy testing and um, running sweat tests uh really really useful one so looking at okay first of all the the relatively crude but still relatively accurate one where you just weigh yourself before and after and to know how much uh, you're losing and then another one where the guys at precision hydration are really good at this you can look at the amount of sodium you lose per liter of sweat as well and combine those two and if you do those sort of sweat tests to around workouts that have already been released so for example we know at the games this year already there's going to be a 5k and we do a 5k sweat test we know sweet they're losing about one and a half liters of sweat during that 5k or whatever it might be and so we need to replenish this much afterwards we know that they're losing this much sodium in their sweat as well so with the electrolyte tabs that we'll use whatever they may be what does that look like how do we split that up across the day as well um, yeah. And how does it extrapolate to the full day picture in terms of fluid loss and, and that sort of thing too? Yeah. And, and as I said at the start, like these, these, as you can see here, like it's probably a little bit more detailed than the, we need to go through for most of us. Same principles though. But the same principles, what you say is exactly that, bud. Like, you know, you can weigh yourself if you're really that, yeah. key, if, you know, if you really are 
someone that wants to kind of take it to that next level, like then that is a really sensible strategy that I know a lot of football clubs still use. Do you know what I mean? Like in pre-season, like because it's non-invasive and it works. So I think that's where you can filter it down. Now, if you want to get sweat testing, you can't, but again, necessarily needed because if you take electrolytes, you are going to get that foundational kind of like intake, whether it's absolutely optimal for you, you don't, don't know, but is it really needed? Probably not. So going to the level is like, say, it's just scaling it up. The carb loading, again, is scaling it up. Like we just gave you a practical approach in terms of carb loading because we don't necessarily need to. But, you know, often these girls and guys are bigger, more muscle mass, you know, so they can hold more glycogen and they can deplete more glycogen probably in training sessions. So the the risk of being, you know, suboptimal or, or even just a little bit depleted is there. Plus, we know that it's not just a two-day comp or a one-day comp with three events. It's going to be, what is now, four or five days, maybe? 15, 16 events, potentially. And, that, and and that's a lot. And again, we, we're trying to be proactive with it. And that's a key thing that we do. We want to do really proactive with getting the carbohydrates in. And it is just a mixture. Like, again, probably one thing that we, a strategy that we use is meal frequency has to be quite high on, on the CrossFit Games. You know, like you ha- you can't just eat big meals. Like that doesn't just get, you can't just eat like three big meals. You've got to be constantly snacking, constantly kind of like drip feeding your body, like as much as you can, like be sipping on things, snacking on things, having bites on things, like in between your events, just to try and get as many calories as you can in. If you just go like, oh, I'm just going to eat a massive bowl of plate of sushi, you know, and you're like, mm, okay, well, that's fine. But then you get this massive you know, intake and then it takes you a while to digest. Whereas if you try to keep increasing your frequency, it's just a little bit easier to to consume maybe kind of higher amounts. Um, so that's definitely a strategy that we that we try to do. And again, that has to be practiced, making sure that you're not just you know pushing back your intake and and have a small feeding window because your feeding window on during the games isn't going to be small. It isn't going to be like oh I start eating at ten o'clock after my first zone two. Like you know it's it's up and eating and then you don't stop eating for five days, and it's challenging. It's really hard. You know, like being at the games and seeing what they have to do is very, very challenging. You know, and it's challenging from a physical point of view, but it's challenging from a nutrition point of view. I think even Matt Fraser was talking on on a podcast once just after he finished and he was like just in his hotel, miserable, just eating rice and just trying to get as many things in. It's just, it's not nice. It's not pleasant, but the thing is, it's needed. And, and that's a really challenging thing. So we do have a mixture of, say, liquid-based stuff probably where food quality does doesn't come into play like we're not really worried about it as much as we are outside of it outside um sorry competition day so like if you you know for example jay loves sweets so like we know the sweets contain sugars and carbohydrates so <laughs> getting the candy in and in between events it can help because it's, it's going to be carbohydrates are going to be stored and utilized as energy Whereas, like, say, building that in and around a diet on a, on a day-to-day basis probably isn't something that we want because there's superior options. But when it comes to it, we need to get the carbs in. So that is something that we that we definitely want to do. We we spoke about at the start there, the marathon row that I painfully watched two in a row um, with Mr. Andy Edwards from, CrossFit, uh, from Dragon CrossFit. The thing is, is that it's 
that was just a complete curveball because no one knew until the day before. I think it got released the day before and then we had to do it the next day. And oh my God, I just don't know how I would even think about doing that. That would just be the worst event for me in the whole world. Uh, I think it was for Jay as well. I think she has hate in that. And it's like sitting on it and you're like, how do you restructure it? And you're like, well, you try and do some calculations in terms of how much that they're going to burn. But it's not like you're sitting on a bike and you can just like, oh, I just pick my drink up and, you know, I can snack every this, it, it, every now and then. It's, it's really challenging because you're rowing. So you have to stop or you have to like try and row a little bit with one hand. And, you know, and, and it's not nice to kind of eat because you're kind of crunching your stomach up every rep. So... It was really, really hard. And again, we just used the same principles. We just extrapolated it out, used gels, used liquid nutrition, used small little snacks because you're on there for a long time. It was trying to, to, you know, do something which, you know, just didn't give them that claggy bill because like say that my sugar's over a three hour period or whenever it was, it is hard. It wasn't an exact strategy and we got through it. But again, it is one of them where you have to just, in these scenarios when CrossFit Games throw something out there, rather than just trying to be really, really random and think, you know, and get worried, it's just like say trying to bring it back to the same principles that we that we know would work and figure out a solution, a method that we should, should try and get them in. But that was a tough one. That was a really, really tough one. And then most of the others are normally okay, like five K runs, classic CrossFit stuff. You know, it's it's easier to do and the guys are so good now that like you say, once they've replicated it, it shouldn't be a it shouldn't be a conversation that we're changing things or they're worried about things on the on the day. They'd be like, Oh, can I have this? Should I add this in? More so. So yeah, on a quick games day, mate, it is just calories and carbs. And then once all the events are done, as many micronutrients and protein and fats that you can get in. Yeah. So drizzling stuff in olive oil, high fat meats, fish, nuts, seeds, like energy dense stuff as much as you can like we don't want high volume foods as you know just to be kind of dictating and and being the mainstay of it so yes get the veggies in but it's got to be stuff that's going to be easily easily digested otherwise just it's it's so challenging it's really really challenging so so yeah and and you know i don't know about you guys in terms of supplementation mate like i know we've spoken about it a little bit before but in the end you end up just kind of having a bit of a watered down version not too dissimilar from from a kind of hard training phase isn't it really around com- kind of competitions yeah yeah exactly that and and that's kind of what makes it too hard once they kind of know what they're doing in those hard competition phases as well the work's been done and it is just when they throw in curveballs like marathon rows and stuff like that that you have to adapt and come but yeah exactly but a lot of the, a lot of the work i've done in the past was you know choose that there was a meal meal supplier rosie joe's who did some of the meals for the guys and it was me like picking the meals that they should be eating picking the amounts he was finding a meal prep one year when i was there we got trifecta meals to send all of the food so i did all of the meals break breakdowns so all of the trifecta meals were sent to the hotel and ice age meals they sent all of the food to the hotel so again the guys are not relying on meal prep services like that was my job as a nutritionist as opposed to Jay, you need to get 85 grams of carbs in and, and 25 grams of protein. Like, it was like, oh, wow, thanks, mate. Like, you've got some really good healthy meals that are, you know, decent, decent food in for, you know, for free and for, for, or for, for a low price that are going to help them. Like, that, that's the job that, 
you end up kind of doing rather than being like, oh, here's a set of macros and numbers that you got to hit because practically that's really, really challenging to do. So yeah, that that's what, you know, we do. But then the guys now are kind of set up. They've been a few times. So you have a bit more consistency. They've got mates over in the US now. So when they've been over there for a couple of weeks, they're in houses, which makes it easier to cook and eat good food and they're with other athletes. So again, it's all kind of a bit easier. So which makes my job a bit easier, which is nice. So I'm I'm looking forward to to getting you know seeing the course of the games this year. I just hope they, I hope they just do some proper CrossFit, like some proper good CrossFit workouts rather than just like more random you know stuff. Like I like the obstacle course and things like that, but I'm like I just want to see like proper CrossFit workouts. So yeah, man, I'm a bit old school with it all, but yeah, I, I think it's going to be good. I think it's going to be a good one. The last thing, like afterwards, like. We would normally say to people, like, you know, really worrying about that kind of games, sorry, the competition, like, you really need to, if you want to get back to training on a Monday or a Tuesday, like, you really do need to dial in your nutrition, like, you know, making sure that, yeah, have the pizza on Saturday night, but you want to get back to kind of a normal way of eating relatively soon, kickstarting that recovery process. So, you know, that that's going to be a key, but after the game, you know, normally it's the time that they have off they build to the end of the season it's, it's it's pretty much do what you want and go and enjoy it so so yeah it was good stuff cool lukey i, I think that was uh, that was that was really useful to actually almost for me just to talk it out and, and kind of you know go through what we've done with athletes and 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 realize that some of the stuff that we do isn't too dissimilar to what we do with the general population but it's the it's the level of implementation that athletes do that's the key for me like with us, like I'm calling myself general population, like it's challenging because we have other things. And, and a lot of the time, like Jay and Elliot, especially were working full time as well. They were coaching pretty much full time hours and getting into the games, you know, so they, they had these other stresses as well, but then they also then prioritized their, 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 you know, their athletic career. So they got, they invested money in meal preps and got deals and et cetera. But for the most part, you know, for us, it's that level of implementation. And if you can be consistent with your nutrition, be consistent with, you know, the your supplementation, with the recovery strategies, with the amount that you train, with, you know, the, the, the pushing yourself to help progressive overload, that's how you see progress. And that's exactly what athletes do. They just continually follow things for a really, really consistently long time. Like that's, that's it. Like, and, and I think that's where it gets into that level. And I, I do think that there's a lot that we can, that we can take from looking at these, looking at these athletes. And I know they, they're a million miles away because they're snatching 140s and doing whatever they want to do. But it's, it's the level of consistency that really blows me away. Um, and I'm really, really lucky to work with some wicked people with wicked athletes who have become mates and who are just still, to this day like look at them and just be like wow you know they're, they're so good they're so on it and that is definitely definitely the probably the biggest takeaway that i that i get from it to be like yeah this when when it still surprised me when i say something and they're still doing it you know like six months later and we haven't even spoken about it it's still like ha, ah, good you know and they're like oh, yeah, i still feel good on it still doing that like so yeah anything else you want to want to wrap up with buddy no i think we've covered a lot there but no i feel the exact same when you touch touch base with them kind of before something like this being like hey anything you need and they 
reel off kind of everything that they're still doing and that kind of stuff it's, it's nice definitely yeah, it's nice. Um, but as I say that that took a couple of years to get filled in almost mm. even for these guys yeah and that's it so yeah guys let's, let's, let's get behind Jay let's get behind Dave and, and everyone else and, and, and I think it's going to be a, a really really kind of good, good game but actually going to have a good bit of interest this year to kind of sit there and watch it yeah guys I hope you found this episode insightful um, just giving you a little bit of can I say behind the scenes anything you need just just let us know that's from a coaching perspective if you want to cover so any episodes on you know get guests on uh, the podcast we've been a bit rubbish for the guests and I'll hold my hands up with that one <laughs> two kids not easy to get a consistent diary I'll hold my hands up I, I will definitely get some people we've got, we've got a bit of a hit list just trying to organise times very challenging but we, we uh, if you want us to cover anything we're, we're going to do a Q&A we've got some more research reviews coming up so it's going to be some some youthful episode but is there any topics any people that you want to get on just message us just drop some message on Instagram um, but thank you so much for the support thank you for listening today and have a wonderful Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true baby it's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And is all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash pack for free shipping and 365-day returns.